mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 26, and we are excited to talk about just what's happening in school, right? Because it is the end of the year, and yeah. there is lots happening in school. Yeah. Um, again, this is going to be kind of a jumping all over the place, talking about things that are happening, solving some problems. Um, we've got all kinds of things to talk about, but I think we will start with a um, post that uh, a tweet by David Petro and he has a page that he I guess curates might be the right word yeah. um, of po- of math podcasts and so a, a while back I found it and sent him math before breakfast for him to listen to in hopes that he would add it and what he told me was that he listens to everything like he is not just going to post something so he, but he had to listen to it first well that so. shows quality curation if I he know. actually listens to it I love it so um, it's really thankful that he listened and added us um and so go check that out and there's lots of other great things there i've i've been listening um lately to a couple of episodes of make math moments that i've really enjoyed the one with peter little doll or something like that i'm gonna get i pronounced that wrong sorry it was really good about the thinking classroom and about vertical non-permanent surfaces and it, it was a great episode so if you haven't heard that episode yet i would suggest to go listen to it um that i've listened to a couple of the math ed podcasts lately um so there's there's so much out there i had a nice long drive to richmond and i enjoyed oh, see i was jealous of your time i was to like when to did a you podcast. listen to all that yeah, yeah i listened to all That's kinds right. of things um, I also listened to the Inspiring Educators podcast. That was great. Um, I really enjoyed that one. Um, just I've listened to some of the Cult of Pedagogy. So there's there's a lot of great things out there. If um, and and it's best when you're on a long car drive because you can just you know listen to several at once. Yeah, I have so. to listen to podcasts about seven minutes at a time. Yeah, <laughs> right. Not, you know, taking one kid to school or leaving the bus stopping it in the school. So. Yeah, and my and my They're time segmented. in the my time in the car with no kids is is limited. So that's fun to have big old long chunks with time to listen. So. Anything else to add about that, Ruth? I don't think so, except for just how exciting it is that a year ago this time, there was probably not a need for a math curator of podcasts because there wasn't a whole lot I think he's out been, there. I think he's been doing it for a long time. But I think that there were like – it's because I found it a while ago when I was searching for this, right? Oh, and, and, okay. and I've seen it, but it was – um, in a lot of ways, it was like somebody talked about math on this episode of this podcast and somebody wow. talked about math on this episode of this podcast. You know, that's where it started. And now there's several on there, you know, that are that are devoted to talking about math. So or or some, you know, some were just about like math in general. You know, there's some that say about mathematics, the history of math, those kinds of things. So, yeah, I think I think there's it's a growing need, which is cool. That's cool. Do you want to talk about your person that you randomly found that was listening to it? (laughs) (laughs) So you never know. Um, Our English teacher next door had a substitute, and the sub plan said put the kids on the iPads and let them do their reading plus assignment for the week. And so she came to me and said, 
this is going to be really boring. Do you have anything I can do? As like, in really boring for her. Yeah, as yeah. for the substitute. And so I said, absolutely, you can make these foldables because my students have learned multiplication and division algorithms. We've done it conceptually, but they've just got to have a place to put it. So I had a teacher who bleeds foldables and she showed me this really cool one that allowed them to do definitions. <laughs> Did she bleed them from a paper yeah. cut? Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, or from scratching your eyes out if you <laughs> ask the students to make them. That's yeah. how I feel. Yeah. Because it's complicated. So anyways, she made them all and as she was in there learning how to make them, she said, I think you're a really creative teacher. And I'm kind of looking around my room like, what tells you I'm a creative <laughs> teacher? And she said, I listened to your podcast. <gasps> wow. So she was a homeschool mom mm -hmm. whose high schooler is now at our school. And she said, I just want to know what's going on in education. And I feel like your podcast tells us. That's so cool. So oh, wow. thanks for listening. Yeah. All right. So um, I wanted to share something I found last night. Okay. Is that, are we ready to jump? You're giving me the wide eyes. <laughs> I was just listening. To hear okay, about what great. You're doing last night. Um, so I am nine days out from the SOL test. My fourth graders are taking the fifth grade math test. And I have tried to not change what we're doing because I feel strongly about just good, just keep on with the good teaching. Um, but something different needs to happen based on the results that I'm getting. The behavior is, it's a struggle. And so I'm, I'm tackling, I'm just trying to think of all kinds of different things. And I finally decided let's start on the review and maybe I'll come back to those last couple of things. Hopefully I'll come back when, when we're in a better space, but we're, we're going to start on the review a little bit like what you said of the novelty of the book, perhaps the novelty of the review might. So for sure. I was observed by my principal and my lesson was we have done this and there's a test coming and you need to practice. Yeah. I mean, I can teach you conceptual fraction division, but you got to be able to practice yeah. and I have to be able to see how you practice, which right. one of those strategies of dividing are you using? And they were so engaged their books were open. They were writing. Raise your hand if you need me to help you figure out why you got the answer wrong. But mm -hmm. if you just want to know, is this right? I made an answer key and it's on the board. You can get out of your seat and go look at it. Mm -hmm. But that was the extent of the lesson. And yeah. I differentiated instruction with textbooks because I have one that's um, 20 years old uh -huh. that just has good, solid problems in it. And then I have one that's six or seven years old, and the problems are just harder. Huh. Okay. So you're dividing fractions, and you have a numerator of 51 and a denominator of 17. Yuck. Yeah. So do you sim do you simplify that? Or, you know, those are the harder ones. Right. Um, and I just differentiated when you came up. I gave you a different textbook, and you went back, and you did the same amount of problems a different way. Um, the students who had to find the 51 and 17s to simplify – it became like a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and the ones who were using the older textbook just got good practice, but everyone was engaged. And yeah. my principal was like, I've never seen a math class where kids were engaged with their textbook. <laughs> and it's because they don't do their textbook every day. Yeah. I mean, literally 
we probably do it once a unit. We've yeah. made it to the end. You got to have some practice. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it'll look like that in my room today. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm changing a bunch of things. And, and so you're pulling it from this website? Okay. So this resource that I found from my friend Holly. Thank you, Holly. Um, on the Virginia Department of Education website, you're looking for something called Algebra Readiness. Hold on. Algebra Readiness Formative Assessment Items. Okay. Well, I would have never even looked at that because it said algebra and my kids are in fifth grade at fourth grade, you know, but when you go into this, what it is, is, and I'll, we'll put this on the show notes. It's a whole list of SOLs that are prerequisites to being in algebra, like things you need to know before you make it to algebra with the purpose of filling those holes before a kid would get into algebra. And it's at, it's kind of says at the top that it's for like teachers and tutors that are assessing and helping get students ready for algebra. What in the world? What, like, where's that been? Why did I not know about this? So they hit it on that page. They really did. And they named it something like that. It doesn't indicate that it's for the people that it's for. I mean, I get now that it does. But however, so when I go in there under number sense in grade five, it has one, two, three, it has five different one page or two page papers that are questions that are, yes, some of them are SOL type questions. Some of them are a little better than SOL type questions, like drop, take this number line and put the numbers on the on the number line. Or um, here, I'll tell you one of the ones that I really liked. It said, this is under... 5.1, which is rounding decimals, divide, draw a number line to demonstrate how you would round one and 523 thousandths to the nearest whole number, tenth and hundredth. That's a pretty conceptual question. Like, you know, I'm, th I'm assuming they're going to draw the number line and place the, the numbers that it's going to round to and show that it would round to each one of those. Like, place that number on the number line, basically. And that's just one question? That's one question. And there's wow. five... The way that I would have answered that is drawn a separate number. Three line different ones for each okay. one. Yeah. But that's why it's a good question. Yeah. Because there's not an answer right. that's going to get it correct. Yeah. Here's another one. A decimal number is rounded to 41 hundredths. What might the decimal have been? That's a great way to ask that question. And then, there, and then backwards the, rounding. Yeah. Then the next three are much more what you would see on an SOL, on an SOL test. So what I'm going to do today is. I've gotten, I've prepared four of them. Whenever I find things like this that are printed, I, I miss, I do not like wasted space on the paper because I try to, you know, take care of the environment. So I, I took four of them and got rid of a lot of the, the unnecessary blank space, the margins and all that stuff. So I've got four of them ready that I'm going to print. I don't think I'm going to get to four of them, but then we're going to do it and you turn it back into me. I check it real quick. And then I've got a plan of, you're going to do this Fun thing that I'm hoping is a fun challenge if you got it or or I'm probably going to do four out of five. If you get four out of five right, then you're going to go over here. And if you get three or whatever less, three or less, then you're going to do the remediation with me. And I'll check this out. After that, there is a... But that's not all. That's There's not more. all. There's more. <laughs> exactly. So... On the same like place, it says algebra readiness remediation plans, and it is tutoring lessons. 
There are lessons. So I'm looking under the whole number sense, whole number and decimal rounding. When I click on it, there's a like a mini lesson about about using a number line to round. So uh, I really want to like be on the other side of the table and see your screen with you. Yeah. Where does it start? Like Where does what this grade level teacher? Okay, it starts with fifth grade. Okay, which is why when my friend told me last night, I was like, "I'm talking about fifth grade stuff. Are you?" Is it really going to help me? You know, and she's like, yes, that's what it's for. So it's, it has, um, hold on, let me go back. So did somebody show Holly or does she just troll the, the video website looking Holly's for stuff? Holly's a genius. Oh, I saw, I just saw a third grade one. Um, mm. There's a little bit of. So this, these are skills that are necessary when you, when you're trying to do algebra. They're, they're not necessarily algebraic no, right. SOLs, they're right. just the skills that you need going well, into it. Well, and, and so something to point out, that's a good question, is that it has things within the number sense strand, it has things within the computation strand, and then in the patterns and functions and algebra strand. What's missing is geometry. So there's nothing on here. Like I wanted a page of, you know, good questions about triangles and angles. It's not here. Is there a geometry readiness? Um, I haven't seen that. And so, so that's no. very interesting because is that missing? Because you don't need that particular strand for algebra because the focus is algebra and you're going to take geometry the following year. I mean, it's possible that's why it's left off. Yeah, I get. I think so. I mean, I th- I think that that's because it's not essential for this is to get you ready for algebra and that's not essential to get re- you ready for algebra. So there we go. That this is going to be really helpful and and the kind of where this came from for me why I was even asking Holly for something like that is that when I taught in 4th grade when I taught in 4th grade before we were preparing for the 4th grade test and this is back I was preparing them when the SOLs, before our SOLs changed, we had like a restructuring of everything, you know, and I went through every available resource that there was, um, all the release tests, all the, um, we, we make these, they make these PowerPoints that are like the commonly missed problems and they talk about it. And I sorted the problems and put them all into one page that I could like practice one skill at a time before the SOL test. So I had a I had a system that I liked, and then I moved to a new SOL and a new gra- and a new grade of math. I was going to say, not only did they change the SOLs, now you are having, you know, you're being tested on fifth grade fifth as well. Grade, yeah, and so I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, I haven't done that legwork, and it's going to take me forever to do that legwork. Do I? Is that the right like way to use my time? And so now I feel like I have all of these. I don't need to go back and do the legwork for any of these. What I might do, though, is go to look at all those different sources for the geometry and measurement ones. And I might still do it. Um, and I found all my sources. I've got the links all ready to go. I just have to sit down one day and snip and cut and paste. And See, you know. I did that. But I did it before there was – I don't even know. Maybe there was cut and paste on she the She did computer. it with scissors and scotch I, tape. Exactly. She did. <laughs> I did it with scissors and tape. <laughs> And they are not very pretty, but yeah. there's no blank margins. Yeah, I was cutting and fitting those. I questions learned it from the there. best. That's right. I'm sure I got that from you. She just made it easier. Yeah, <laughs> story of her life. That's, that's one of the things, Tracy. I'll say whenever I have a, um, like I use an example of something that you've created, uh-huh. like in a workshop or training. You that use I do. mine as a bad example, don't you? No, no, no. Oh. Um, but I will use an example. You know, a lot of times dealing with, you know how something is readable or, or, you know, visual design of something and you fill the page with words. I mean, like 
you know, quarter inch margins, eight yeah. point font. I mean, it is tight up in there. Half inch, half okay. inch margins. <laughs> but, it, but, but it's just an example of how you make all the use of your space. Not always the best choice for readability and for design. Correct. But you definitely use all the space. So you, yeah. you, you have been, you've been used as an example. I'm going to choose to take that as a compliment. It is, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I've always felt what, that I should teach a, like a little in service on how to, not waste paper, <laughs> but no one wants to hear that. Call it use those margins. Yeah. All right. So I sent that to you last night, Ruth. Okay. And I think you will find it helpful, even if it's just sometimes you tutor people and, and this might be a great well, place. So we have, and because we're a private school, students come to us and have taken a particular class in another county and say, we're ready for algebra. Well, just because a school calls a class pre-algebra doesn't mean that it's covered everything it needs to cover. So that's a really good resource for us to say, well, this is where your holes are, and this is what our algebra class covers. Right. So love it. Okay, so you are moving into ratios next, and I... I'm going to listen with a diff- with a different set of ears because I am going to be leading a, a workshop for fifth grade teachers who are teaching sixth grade math. And I know that ratios and proportions are a really important part of sixth grade. So I'm going to listen and then we're going to talk about Cuisinier rods when you're done because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I need some help. So, so go. the temptation is strong to stand in front of the room and say... Today, we're going to talk about ratios. Ratios can be written three ways. Count mm-hmm. this group, count this group, and write it with a colon. Yeah. You know? Okay. But I am going to let them discover, not necessarily how to write a ratio, but let them figure out the relationship between fractions and ratios. So okay. my plan, which is for today, so I'm going to hash this out right now. Okay, great. Love it. Um, is to put them in partners. And give them three little Dixie cups and a recipe for Kool-Aid. Okay. So in one cup, you will put one scoop of Kool-Aid and two things of water. I haven't decided how you're going to measure it. So in essence, you have a one to two ratio. Then in the next cup, you're going to have a two to four ratio. And then in the next cup, you're going to have a three to four ratio. So now you're going to make a prediction about what they're going to taste like. And hopefully that ratio is different that they're going to be able to tell it's not or the last one is stronger and okay. the other two kind of taste the same. Okay. Um, what about are they tasting from the same cup? So my plan was to have like an individual cup and use Jeez, a straw laughing at me. <laughs> just the look on your face when you ask that question so if you're going to use a straw and put it in there with your finger on it and drop it into your cup or drop it onto your plate and taste it with your finger or whatever i don't know how to do okay i have an idea okay what if you just give them one more cup that's a lot of cups but what if you give them one more cup per partnership and they can have these the cup like so here's cup one i'm gonna half it with you and, and then, then drink out of the one that was in the middle and then and so partner two is always drinking out of the same cup and partner one is drinking out of the three original the cups. Mixed cup okay does that make sense 
It makes sense. Um, I'm counting in my head, like, do I need to go buy more cups? Because when you have 120 students and you're doing. I would just say that this is, let me stop and say the reason I asked you that is I'm always in my class I'm thinking about the management. And it's the kind of thing that as I've been watching the student teachers come in my class that they're like, oh, this is a great idea. Then we're going to taste it. And then they don't think through like, what is so that going to So I had thought it like? through. I just thought with a straw, but maybe another cup is better. So carry on to the Is ratios. it just a blank page? Because that's the other part of what I don't know how to manage it. So now you have cup A, B, and C. Are you just going to tell me about what you noticed? Or or the other option would be, are there some specific questions? Is that what you're asking me? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think in, in a lot of cases that would work. I think in some cases in my room, I know that there's going to be kids that are like, they're not going to write anything. Like they're going to be like, I put two and two scoops of this, one scoop of this. What else do you want me to say? You know, I I I wonder about this. Is sometimes I put, I start with what did you discover, or what do you notice, or what do you wonder. But then I have some questions ready for when they won't write anything. Then I reveal a whole bunch of questions, and then that might get them going. So could it? Could you have them on the board ready to go, and then okay, make them show up. Like, what are some things you want them to write? Maybe that, maybe we should start there. I really want them to understand that a three to four ratio doesn't have as much water in it as it's supposed to. Like, I want them to say, well, for every scoop of Kool-Aid, we were supposed to put two cups of water. And we put three scoops of Kool-Aid in only four Hmm. So that's going to be the best Kool-Aid. Yeah. I was thinking of it the other way. I was thinking of it as you put an extra scoop of Kool-Aid in the water. Because oh. in the last one, didn't you have four? Yeah, the ratio was three to four. So, But in the last one, you had two to four. Right. Right. So my brain, that's interesting that you thought of that. I need hmm. more water. And I thought of it as you put more, you put extra Kool-Aid in. Is that is that okay? I don't know what I'm thinking about that. Okay. Yeah. So I forgot to tell you the beginning part of this is first of all to do it with empty cups and like food coloring. That's what we're calling it food coloring, but we're going to use blue and green tiles. So you're going to be able to look in there and see what oh. the ratio is. So after we've done it in clear cups with blue and green tiles, I'm going to pull out the Kool-Aid and we're going to do it again. And you're going to be able to taste the difference of the ratio. So we will have gotten to that point. Because there's also a chance that the scoop that you put in your second one was bigger and it doesn't really taste different. And you didn't get any math out of it at all. Okay. So I have some questions. Are okay. the are the amounts that you're putting in the same? As in, are you putting in the same amount of Kool-Aid and water? Like it putting in a teaspoon of of Kool-Aid and a teaspoon of water. That seems like a whole lot. So no, no. they're not going to be. Does that matter in a ratio? No, you can do you can have I different mean, just units. like a recipe, like oh. a cup of flour to a third of a teaspoon of baking soda. Okay. That can be your ratio. Okay. Your units can be different. Yeah. Okay. And then the other question is, tell me, I, I just don't know why. Tell me why you're doing it in, in, it seems seemingly like representationally first and then to the concrete, you know? So if I'm going to put 
foam tiles in a cup, I feel like that's concrete. Okay. It and is, you, and yeah. you can see it. You can count after the ratio has been made. You can split it out and count it. You can't split the Kool Aid and water apart. So the Kool Aid and water is, in my opinion, kind of like a real life application where you're going to actually taste okay. the difference. Okay. And this idea came to me because they did it in their chemistry unit in science. Hmm. They did it with salt water. But she said they didn't get it. Like it was a, she said it was so frustrating and it's on their exam. So now if we do it and I said, well, maybe if we do it with Kool-Aid and they get to drink it, I'll be the cool teacher because you did salt water and nobody wants to drink salt. Water. So it was about if you have more, if the ratio is more, you'd, it would be saltier. Yeah. There's a word for science. When Salinity. You, yeah. Mm, I thought. It, that, I mean, is, yeah. that is a real word. Yeah. <laughs> it may not be the word she's going for. Yeah. She was doing homogenous and heterogeneous mixtures or solutions. I forget what it is. What's the point where you can't absorb anymore? Saturation. Maybe that's what it was. Anyways, she had all kinds of things going. And the yeah. ratio part of it that she wanted them to pick up on because she thought it would be easy. She said they didn't get. So after, we're going to okay. do it again. After a while, your your waters it will have dissolved all the salt it can. And extra salt won't dissolve. It'll just fall to the bottom. So, what's your, where do you go after that? They they make the Kool-Aid, they taste it. This one's tastier than the other. They've written about it. Is that all you're going to do today? Probably that's plenty. <laughs> that's all I'm going to do today. And tomorrow we're taking a test. On um, fractions. Yeah. Okay. Um, And so then we come back Monday and have a week before I'm done. So yeah. I have to do ratios and I have to do proportions and I review for the exam. And then during exam week, because we're sixth grade and we don't take exams every day, I have this whole list of chunks of things that I'm supposed to teach them to get them ready for algebra. And I'm preparing activities for all the teachers. So they're going to do math, <sighs> just fun math. Like we're yeah. doing who has the biggest mouth where you fill your cup with or you fill your mouth with water and you spit it in a graduated cylinder and we measure in milliliters okay. and see. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably using the same graduated cylinder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> you don't drink out of the graduated <laughs> cylinder. Gross. You just spit it. Okay, so can you So I ha I took a summer class on ratios and proportions. Enjoyed it, learned a lot, felt like I knew a lot, but that's been a really long time ago. So would you be willing, this is kind of putting you on the spot, but would you be willing to tell me in a nutshell, what are all the things you'd want them or some of the, whatever, some of the things you'd want them to know about ratios and some of the things you'd want them to know about proportions. Can you like overview that for me? Or is that way like too much? Like what do the standards cover or is um, that? Or like okay. what, what would you want them leaving sixth grade understanding just from you, for you, like about ratios and proportions? Be okay. And, and the, the reason I'm asking is because it might not be the same, but I'm trying to think about how I can use the Cuisinier rods to... So the difference between a part-to-part -part ratio and a part-to-whole ratio. Okay. When is a ratio like a fraction and when is it not? Okay. And so part-to-whole is when it's like a fraction. Mm -hmm. Part-to-part is when it's not. Correct. Okay. Hey, um, why don't you ask questions when you don't know what she's talking about? Because I don't know what you guys are talking about right okay. now. Okay, <laughs> all right. So give so us an example. So if I have the boy-girl ratio in this room right now is two to one. Okay, that's a part to part. But one to three 
or two to, let's do two to three. That's girls out of all. So that's girls to all. That's a fraction. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Cause it's, it's a, okay. One's comparing the numbers to the other, to the not like things. Mm-hmm. And one's comparing it to the total number in the room or the total population. And so the Kool-Aid is part to part. Because, mm-hmm. okay. And you need that part to part ratio because the units are different. Okay. So in a that Kool-Aid stuff, you would never use a part to whole ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important that you understand that what you say first, like I said, the girl-boy ratio, and it, I would be wrong if I said one to two. Okay. The um, order matters. Because that's the boy-girl ratio. Yes. One to two in your, in your problem. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing that's – Oh, is, wait. I'm sorry. I will I will stop and say one of the th- so we we're putting on our social justice lens here right and one of the um one of the things that I have read about is especially you know in in other places that would be not your particular private school right there this whole binary idea of there's always boys and there's always girls there are that is can be limiting and so if that's the only kind of ratio which it's the it's the most common one right mm-hmm. but if you go into a school where there is a student who is seeing themselves they are they're non-binary which means they're not using one of those pronouns or or he she whatever then like where do i fit into that particular thing so there's been a there's been i've i've seen people who are like can we use something other than boys and girls you know can we use hair color or um ride the bus or walk or you know those kinds of things so i'm just pointing that out i you know may or may not probably not an issue in your room but so I, i don't know that ride the bus or walk is a good type of ratio because it typically has to be something that you can see. Yeah. So maybe you could do shirt color or maybe you could do shoes, but yeah. you want the students to be able to look around the room yeah. and make that ratio, not right. just because you said, raise your hand if you ride the bus and. Right. Yeah. You can almost do it with like, um, what do they call those things? Pennies that you would throw on to like when you're playing sports or something mm-hmm. to, to separate teams. Mm-hmm. And it'd be, you know, it doesn't have to be the exact same thing. It could be bandanas or something and they randomly grab out of the bag mm-hmm. and there's a... Right. As long as it's something that they can see, which is yeah. really important for yeah. ratios. Okay. Um, so after you've done ratios, you want to be able to use it in real life. Um, so, okay. The ratio of markers to pencils is three to two. And there are... 20 writing utensils. How many are markers and how many are pencils? Okay. So you have to take that three to two and understand that that part to part ratio could be written as a part to whole ratio because you have both items. And so it's three to five and I have 20. That means I'm going to multiply. It's got to be four times bigger. Okay. So that jump is a huge jump for sixth Mm -hmm. graders because you teach them how to find markers and pencils. And then all of a sudden you're giving them something that's not a marker or a pencil. Mm-hmm. It's a combination and they have mm-hmm. to know what to do with that. So with cues and air rods, I would imagine that you could model it. I'm totally making this up on the fly, okay. but I would imagine that you could do a green to red ratio okay. and whatever green to red would equal. That's how many you would tell them it was. 
So I don't know your color. Do you know off the top of your head what green plus red, red would equal? Red is two and, and the green the light green is three, so five. So you okay. pick the right colors. So Whoa. you would tell them that the ratio of green to red or – yeah, you would tell them the ratio of green to red is two to three because that's what the Cusinier rods stand for. And you have a orange does that work or a whatever five is? Oh, five I think is yellow. Okay, so you have eight yellows. Orange is ten. Yeah. Anyways, I would have to look at them. Okay. I feel like I'm confusing. I like that, that that example. You know, I can't always see the examples that you guys are describing, but that one makes that one makes sense. The I markers can... or the Cuisinier rods? Yes, both. The Cuisinier rods. I can understand. You know, you can completely ignore their lengths. And just have the difference in colors, or you can use the length in the problem as two to three, as two units long to three units long to show the ratio. Okay. Um, and I think it's so eight, if I'm eight telling to 12 you those is the units. markers and, and p- pencils or whatever. Nice, yeah. Jay. Well done. I just want to throw it in there that I was doing the math on that one. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay. Um, can, can I ask a question? Yeah. This is one that. And I might be taking you out of order if you were thinking about things in order. But um, I've, I've, my daughter, Adelie, is in fifth grade doing sixth grade math. And she had some IXL questions that she was working on. And it said something like, which one has the greater ratio? And I was confused about what that meant. And, and I couldn't – I didn't know, like, when do you use that? Do you use that for – Oh, you're giving me the face like you're not sure either. Okay. I I need to see the... Yeah. It would be like, in this class, it's this to this. And in this class, it's this to this. Which one had the greater ratio of something to something? Or just... I don't know. Okay. We don't know. We'll we'll investigate that. Yeah. So greater ratio would just mean like in whatever number you're... Whatever order you're giving it. It must have been a part to hold. It right? would have had to have been a hard. I'm like I'm trying to think. I'm going back to boy girl because that's how yeah. that class is. And yeah. so if it's a one to two ratio in your class of boy girl, then it's a one to three of part to whole. I mean, yeah, right. So one to two would be a greater ratio. I mean, it, one to two, if it's one to two in my class and one to three in your class. Oh, yes. Then you're mm-hmm. going to call one to two a greater ratio. Here, I found it. Okay. Tim's punch recipe. Oh, there we go. Calls for. Kind of like Kool-Aid. Yeah. Six liters of lemon lime soda and four liters of pineapple juice. Write this down. I'm going to make it. Yeah. Sally's recipe requires three liters of lemon lime soda. And two liters of pineapple juice. Which recipe has a higher ratio of lemon-lime soda to pineapple juice? They're equivalent. So those are the choices. Tim's recipe, Sally's recipe, or neither. The ratios are equivalent. Oh. Because. Six to four is equal to three to two. Okay. Well, let's find a one where it's higher. Because I couldn't. I could see they're different, but I couldn't figure. Okay. Um, In a class, 14 students take notes in pen and 20 take notes in pencil. I'm letting Ruth write it down. 14 to 20? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 14 in pen, 20 in pencil. And then in the other class, seven take notes in pen. And ugh, it's the same freaking. All right. Let me guess. On. 10 do pencil. <laughs> yep, yep. Okay. 
Come on, come on. Let's see if this one's going to be different. Uh, yes, it is. Okay, 15 apple pies to 18 blueberry pies. And seven apple pies to eight blueberry pies. Who baked a higher ratio of apple to blueberry? So the second class. And you're converting it to a decimal. You're just making that fraction bigger. That's what you did to know it was bigger. That was a guess. I mean, I wrote it down and that was just a quick look at the ratios. So how else could we do it? I would say if I had to mathematically figure it out, I would make it look more like a fraction, even though that's that's not a fraction. That's not right. That's not it's part to part. It's not part to whole. So I wonder if you make it part to whole. What's your question? Um, who baked a higher ratio of apple pies to blueberry pies? However, I think what I told Adelie to do. This was a seven out of 15 were apple. And this was 15 out of 33. Okay. So we might have had to cut out a bunch there, but we really, Ruth and I and Jay really wanted to figure this out. So we finally got one wrong. <laughs> we were trying to get it wrong. And on IXL, their, their suggestion was express them as percentages. So write the ratio 12 to 10 as a decimal and then convert it to a percentage. So you got 12 divided by 10 was 1 and 2 tenths, and it was a percentage of 120%. And then 18 out of 15 became 1 and 2 tenths and was 120%. So they, they had percentages was the... Here's here's one that I can kind of think conceptually, which is what I was trying to help Adelie with. One kilogram of cheese to five kilograms of mozzarella in, in a pizza. And then the other one is four to 17. So I changed that first one, the one, one over five, to four over 20. Because if you like copied it, I'm thinking, right. you know, make four pizzas. So this one has four cheeses no four parmesans to 20 mozzarellas this one has four parmesans to 17 mozzarellas so it's asking which one uses a higher ratio so the one to five uses a higher ratio no no the four, four to, 17 to 17 uses a higher to ratio because it's like they use m more for every parmesan there are fewer um mm. That's where your percentage is going to come in. Yeah. Because when you do this four divided by 20, you've come up with a unit rate, which is where I said we were, we would go next mm -hmm. so that you could say a ratio question for every this, there is this. So where you have to have a one in that, um, you could have even like if I did 17 divided by four, mm -hmm. then I could have made my numerators one and I could have said for every parmesan there are five in this one mm -hmm. and for every there's four parmesan point there's four point something. Okay, let me write that. One to four point something. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then it's asking this is where I still get confused. Which one has a higher ratio? Well this of is this is twenty percent. Because it has to ask what's the higher ratio of Parmesan two What's the other one? Mozzarella. Mozzarella. If it said what's the highest, the high ratio of mozzarella to Parmesan, then it would be the other one. Wow. My, my brain is, is I, I'm hearing you. I'm still struggling to get it. Um, 
but that's okay. Yeah. All right. So I've never asked that question. I don't know if that is. Yeah. Those are. That's not where I go. Yeah. That's not where I go with ratios. Okay. I'm. Which one's greater? I'm gonna check out the standard because I don't probably it probably wasn't on there either. That's an extension. Okay. So what else do we want to talk about? Anything else related to ratios and proportions that you hope they leave sixth grade? The other thing that I hope they leave sixth grade with is unit rates. Okay. Because that's a a true real life skill. And we are going to Washington, D.C. for a field trip. So I'm not able to do my grocery store trip because of the way that it fell. But I typically have math class at the grocery store. It's a lot of planning, but it's a scavenger hunt. And it says, um, go find the best, the lowest unit price for diapers. So you go to the grocery store and you actually read the little box on the left-hand corner of the price tag on the shelf. Yeah. And it says something like 52.2 cents. Lots and lots of discovery because what does 52.2 cents mean? Uh-huh. And so it doesn't mean you get to buy one diaper, but it helps you compare it to the one that's 51.9 cents. Yeah. Um, And we have lots of real life discussions. Like, why would someone buy something that costs so much more in the unit price? Um, My favorite answer to that question was, why would someone buy the one pound bag of sugar when it's almost twice the unit price? Yeah. And someone said, well, my grandma can't pick the five pound bag off her shelf, (laughs) so she always buys the one pound. Yeah. That's wow. that's yeah. good stuff, you yeah. know? That's why you would buy it. Yeah. And then someone else was like, well, why do they charge so much for grandmas? <laughs> <laughs> the grandma um, tax. So unit, unit prices fall right into that ratios. Yeah. Um, and just understanding that to be able to talk about it, like we just had that conversation about what is it for one. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So... Do you have any suggestions for me for Cuisinier rods or should I? I think you should go with what that first example we talked about where you have the ratio of orange to green Uh and there are a total of 20 made with yellow. So they have to know that that's five and they lay out the yellow until they get to 20 and then they can fill it in and see how many green it takes to make that. I mean, it, it would take a minute for me to think about exactly how to ask that question. Mm-hmm. But you want to you want to say the ratio. Yeah, I don't want to keep saying the same thing over. But okay. I think that's a good place for you to go with. OK. Cues and air rods. I might be calling you tonight as okay. I'm planning. Um, you talked about that. So I will just say I'll talk a minute about conversion of metric conversions and um, I've kind of bombed, Ruth. Like, it, it just keeps not happening. Um, I really I wanted to avoid the whole, you know, move the decimal over the certain number of times. And, and, and about half of them have figured it out. So maybe it's not com- a complete bomb. But, but the ones who are not there yet, I'm like, I don't know what else to try. I might have to go to that. And that's why it's there because it's hard. However, let me, let me share a positive. And that is, um, one little friend in my class, I I sat down with the kids who were like halfway there and I wanted them to hear each other's strategies. And in this one case, it worked like they were sharing different strategies and they kept going, Oh, Oh, I like that. And so if she was going to convert from, um, 
she broke the centimeters up into parts. If it was 15 and 7 tenths centimeters, she said, okay, I know that there's 10 millimeters in each centimeter. So there's 100 millimeters in 10 centimeters. And I was like, no, we're going to meter. She goes, I know, listen. And so it was a 100 centimeters in in no 100 millimeters in 10 centimeters and then she said i know those five centimeters are 50 millimeters and then she said i know the seven tenths of a centimeter is seven millimeters so she put all that together and said i have 157 millimeters and i know the millimeters are thousandths of a meter so that's one 157 thousandths of a meter so she went conceptually to millimeters, which she knew how to put into meters. Isn't that cool? And she did it that way every time. She broke it up into parts that she knew and dealt with parts and then put them together and told what she had in that particular unit. So instead of saying I have 15.7 hundredths of a meter, it, it was it, may, it was in her brain, she moved into millimeters, changed it to that a unit of a thousandth. Yeah, yeah. It's not cool. That is really cool. And that you have to, you reached one. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes we measure our success looking for all of them to jump on this board. And I have to go back to that fraction division where I was like, you got to understand it's not just stay switch flip. Remember what Mrs. E showed you. And before we got to the algorithm, I had a friend who stayed after to say, Mrs. E, that was so cool today. Yay. And he left. And he's not someone who typically understands it. And we got to that book work, and doggone it, if he didn't finish the whole entire page and get them all right and say, can I do those hard ones? Cool. You absolutely can do those hard ones. Yay. So you got to measure that as success rather than the group of kids who, who didn't get it. And- that's okay. Someone on, I just saw a tweet that said, I'm going to completely misquote this, but in my language, it said conceptual learning is good and algorithms are good and we have to teach them together. Yeah, We can't just have the pendulum swing completely over. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to ever teach you how to do multiply by the reciprocal because I want you to do it conceptually. Well, there's a time and place for both. For sure. And the reason that the algorithm is there is because it's the fastest way to do it, even if it's a thought, you know? Yeah. But it's not the best way to learn the concept. You're exactly right. And so you have to do both. But there comes a time where you say, now we're going to practice. And here's your list of reminders of what you do Mm -hmm. when you... Yeah. All right. There. Jay, did you have anything you wanted to share from today? Or the things you've been thinking about this week? I don't think so. No. Okay. So takeaways. Are we ready for takeaways? I think I'm going to go buy more cups. <laughs> I'm going to school for she my lesson. She 240 cups now, thanks <laughs> yeah, to Tracy. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, my takeaway is that I have a lot to learn about ratios and proportions and, and wanting to move into a math coaching position. I can't just be like, Oh, that doesn't pertain to me. I'm not going to teach that because I'm going to be required to help, you know, teacher. And I want to help teachers. That's hard, obviously, you know? Um, and so I, 
I can do it. I can do the math, but I need to build my pedagogical content knowledge, which is about the teaching and where does, how is it connected? Where does it go? What are the mistakes? What are the models? You know, Vanderwall has a chapter on ratios and proportions. Okay, good. <laughs> I'll check it out. <laughs> I probably should read that before I play my Cuisinaire rods instead of just going to Cuisinaire, you know, resources. So do you have any takeaways you want to share? Ratios. I, I didn't, it's not like I thought they were easy, but I think they're harder now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like the core of sixth grade when in the SOL, that's the, that's the main thing that's, you've got to Every get. single word problem can be solved like a ratio. I mean, once a student is able to use a ratio, whether it's a ratio table, you can put anything in there and it helps them organize their thoughts. Even so, if it's an addition and subtraction problem? You mean, or well, you mean multiplication? Anything in division. Addition and subtraction problems are a thing of the past when you get to sixth grade Got problem it. solving. Got it. Okay. And so if we can not necessarily even call it a ratio, but offer the ratio table as a strategy. My students have seen ratio tables all year, but haven't called it a ratio table. What have you been calling it? A, a thinking table. Like put it in a table okay, and find that pattern. Yeah. You know, when we use the visual patterns, so this is how many are total there. This is how many go up. This is how many go left. And they fill it all in and they see their patterns. And then on the 42nd term, look, I can see that. That's yeah. a ratio table, but I don't call it that. Yeah, It's just organizing your thoughts. What do you notice? What do you wonder? Mm-hmm. Kind of like the conversation that you had with Jay about trip measuring and not finding the right measurement and then saying the wrong one. If you had organized it and put it in a table, you'd be able to. Yeah. Another thing I I just thought about was a lot of times in, in my line of work, I, I see data and, and a lot of times data is they try to visualize it a certain way or, or represent it a certain way. And oftentimes I think a misunderstanding of ratios is like a very basic step, but they will, visually represent data incorrectly yeah. because like you were talking about a a part to part ratio different than a part to whole ratio. And they'll treat one like the other, like, you know, I've seen one recently where they took, you know, three different measurements of something over time and made it into a pie chart. Well, it's not a pie chart because it's not, it's not part of a whole and it was a a terrible way to represent that. Yeah. Um, But it was, that's what they thought of and they put it in there and it just was if you if you don't understand how the ratio works then you can't you can't you know represent it yeah good all right well to be continued maybe on the next one i can share some of the cuisinaire rod takeaways because i will have taught it by the time we get back together next week i will and you will too yeah. You'll ta- you'll have taught it without Cuisinier rods, but <laughs> you will have <laughs> next year I'll teach it with Cuisinier yeah, rods. Yeah. All right. Well I will um, see you tomorrow to run. Okay. okay.